The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. I am so high, I can hear heaven. Oh my God, Scott, I've got to tell you, my trilogy sense is tingling right now. It is? It's tingling right now. Oh, that must be painful for you. It hurts. Could it be because Phil is here? Uh, no, I think that's just general uncomfortability that Phil brings with him everywhere he goes. I think it's because we're doing yet another superhero trilogy, Scott. You know how I feel about these. I do. I'm Vin, by the way. And I'm Scott. I'm Phil. And we are the Trilogy Podcast, the only podcast in the universe devoted strictly to trilogies. We're giving you facts, debate, trivia, and more to hell with the movie if they made four. And Scott... Why don't you break down for us, my friend, exactly what trilogy we're doing this time around. We are dealing with the Spider-Man trilogy. The The Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. This is part of our Spider-Man block, okay? We're starting with the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy because we've heard in the MCU Spider-Man trilogy, all these things are connected. So we thought it would be important for us to knock down the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy before we then followed up with the MCU Spider-Man trilogy. It's all Spider-Man all the time. And honestly, I couldn't be more pleased. I'm about to shoot my web all over the place. Oh, God, I'm going to duck. I'm going to duck from this side of the room. Uh, Now is a great time, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't, to check out the Trill bit we just put up, which talks about Spider-Man in general. So we can have a good baseline when we go into these films as to who Spider-Man is, who exists in the comic book world. So check that out. That's going to be the episode... Just before this one. Yeah. Just before this one. Me and Phil basically educate uh, Vin a little bit on Spider-Man. It's what what they call a teachable moment. I think we got to him. So thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this episode. This is part of what we, uh, we talked about, Scott. Earlier in the year, we wanted to, once the new Spider-Man came out, creating the, the trilogy for the MC universe, we wanted to just get into Spider-Man. We'd have two separate Spider-Man trilogies. Yes. Hunker down. I think it really prudent that we jump into the trilogy bot, okay, our robotic friend who always tells us exactly what kind of trilogy this is. Scott, you and I created different categories for different trilogies, and trilogy bot sorts it for us, puts it in its particular category, okay? So- Phil, yeah. you okay over there? I'm, I know you. I know, I know you don't like trilogy. I do, but no, I, can I? I'd like to say something that's yes, trilogy. Let's but, you know, let him allow it, him. I accept you for who you are and what you are, which is a synthetic life form, but still a life form nonetheless. Why don't we just see what he says? The Raimi Spider-Man trilogy is an army of one trilogy. These involve the adventures of a lone hero battling the forces of evil, from film to film. It's similar to the way Phil battles his tiny dick. And fails, because he's a failure as a man. Go jack off your Roman nose instead, you ham-fisted bitch. Well, he hates you, Phil. As God is my witness, <laughs> I am going you, to find your toaster of a father, and I am going Phil. to smash him on the rock. He he really he really <sighs> took it to you that time. He usually attacks us, so I'm delighted that he's attacking I, you. I think it was I think it was your heartfelt attempt to reconcile that really pushed him to really oh, come God, after I'm you. I tell you, as always, trilogy bot is right though. Much as he hates Phil, he is correct about this kind of trilogy. This has to be an army of one trilogy and poor sam raimi 
He's the like the only director who's done two separate trilogies that are they're totally completely different. Right. Peter Jackson, of course, did both Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, but they're related. Very similar. Same. These universe. are two completely different universes, completely different genres. Yeah. But Sam Raimi does not get a director's trilogy. This has got to be an Army of One trilogy. Okay. Right. The genre dictates it. No, it's a superhero. I think the only way you could ever say it was a director's trilogy is only because there have been so many Spider-Man movies, and now we actually have another. So now we have to say Raimi. So there's more trilogy, of a variety. You're right. We call it a. But Ra- it's not a director's trilogy. It's just a trilogy of Spider-Man. Scott, movies. that's a great point. We sort of we call it the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, but it's almost like we're not giving him credit as a director because it's still an Army of One trilogy. Right. It's, it's weird. Whereas Unbreakable it's is weird. a director's trilogy because it's Shyamalan creating this story. You're right. And he's just adapting the story. Sam Raimi is not bigger than Spider-Man. Right. Scott, that brings us to my favorite part of the podcast. We call it Scott's Plots. It's when you break down the plots of all all three films for us. I can't wait to hear it. Yes. So uh, just jump right into it. No reason to have any fanfare. Uh, Yes. So these are Scott's Plots, of course. Uh, What I like to do here, I like... To break down the plots. Name is Scott. I break down the plots. My name is Scott. To break down the plots. You got plots. My name is Scott. I'll break them down because I break down the plots. My name. My name is Scott, and I break down the plots, and you will love it because it's Scott's plots. For Christ's sake, make it happen for us. Alrighty. So these are Scott's plots. Of course, what I do here is I give you a. Background of the plots of these movies, all bare bones, no character names, uh, just the details of what the plots are of the movie. Uh, So in case you uh, haven't seen these movies in a while and you need a little bit of a refresher, uh, we've got you there. And if you have never seen the movies and uh, just enjoy the show, uh, we got you there too. So here we go. Of course, starting it all off with Spider-Man. 2002. In Queens... A young nerd who lives with his aunt and uncle goes on a school field trip to a science lab and is bitten by a genetically altered spider and receives fantastic physical powers. I have to just say right over that, why doesn't Peter Parker say, I've been bit by a spider. Am I going to die right now? Five seconds before, they're like, this is a radioactive spider that we're doing genetic engineering on. And he's like, well, I'll just go home and... Yeah. Take an Advil. Well, especially Mary Jane just noticed one of them is missing, and then she's sitting there getting photographed, and he gets bitten, and he's like, oh, and she's like, all right, bye. It's Peter's character to just, like, not mention it or bring it up because no one cares about him anyway. Yeah. You're right. See, we should have got a shot of him trying to tell someone. They're like, Parker, get on the fucking bus. Exactly. We don't care. (laughs) Get on the bus. No, No, but really, I feel like I'm dying. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I've broken a sweat. I'm pretty sure I have a fever. Uh, (laughs) Something's horribly wrong with me. Get on the bus. We don't care. It's a New York public school. (laughs) Nobody gives a shit. (laughs) The young nerd decides to use his newfound abilities to win a wrestling match to make money to impress a redhead he is in love with. After the wrestling match, the young nerd is short changed on the prize money and in retaliation allows the wrestling promoter to be robbed by a guy with frosted tips. But unfortunately, after escaping, the guy with frosted tips carjacks the young nerd's uncle and shoots him to death, inspiring the young nerd to use his powers to help people instead of for financial gain. Am I the only one that thinks that Peter Parker was completely justified in how he dealt with the fleeing criminal? 
You know, what's funny is he lets the criminal go, but five seconds before the promoter of the wrestling match is like, I have no problem shorting you of your money. I'm not afraid of you. And then when the criminal walks by, he's like, you could have saved us. Why didn't you yeah. knock down the criminal? Because hey, you, you were man. a dick to me. Yeah. 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 Like I wasn't intimidating enough to get my full prize money from you, but oh, I can, I can take down the criminal. Right. And the cop is like, hey, why didn't you take down the criminal? Cops don't want you to do their job. Wouldn't you also think the other side of it and be like, like, well, if I stop the criminal, maybe he will give me the money. And you could be like, hey, dude, I just helped you out. How about you throw me a little extra? Yeah, so he's essentially being punished for uh, bad forward thinking. The young nerd pursues the robber with frosted tips and the robber falls to his death. Meanwhile, the young nerd's rich friend's scientist father is about to lose a military contract for flying vehicles and performance-enhancing aerosol due to failed human testing. Is it me or is it a theme in all these superhero movies that the villain always like is rejected in his testing or in his evil plan? And yes, so he's I'll like, show you. He's like, I'll, I'll you, show the world. Yeah, I'll use it on myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always that way, right? Yeah. Stop always. using it on yourself. Yeah. Their hubris is their downfall. Like, Dr. Doom needs to be right. That's exactly just an right. about it. Yeah. It's the first test that Peter fails in not letting the, and not stopping the wrestler, but he redeems himself from it. There's always a choice, and they always make the wrong one. Well, any type of crime you're ever going to commit, you have to have a lot of balls to do it, right? Like, you have to have the balls to go, I know this is illegal and I'm going to yeah. do it anyway. It's a commitment. You like, have to have some level of courage to commit a crime. Just to be clear, not saying they're heroes <laughs> for committing we're not. crimes. We're just simply just saying they're like, they're also... It was a slippery slope. I was like, well, what about terrorism? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. no. We're talking about the green no, fucking that, that, that's goblin. Captain America. Yeah. Where the villain always has like his own villain name and people are like, here comes that villain again. Yeah. That doesn't really happen in reality. No. Here so, comes Saddam Hussein again. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's just got four robot arms. <laughs> the scientist father decides to test the aerosol on himself and becomes insane. Dons a green suit and uses the flying vehicle to kill his lab partner and his rivals. Meanwhile, the young nerd has graduated high school and is juggling college, crime fighting dressed as a spider, and a photography job where he takes pictures of himself fighting crime. They have this whole thing where he's like, I'll go to college and I'll make my living as a photographer. And she's like, I'll make my living as an actor. You're idiots. <laughs> yeah. I think you're both going to be disappointed in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> make your living as a photographer. But I've got all this aw shuck spirit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, isn't Spider-Man kind of the precursor to OnlyFans? He takes pictures of himself for money. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You're right, he does, he does get a lot of, like, butt pictures. <laughs> He's got to be wearing a groin protector or a dancer belt just to keep it all together. Uh, that actually is a uh, it's a known phrase within the OnlyFans community. It's called a Spider-Man set, uh, where you <laughs> take pictures in all of the Spider-Man's typical Are you serious? Poses. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I made it up. I believe I made it. it up. It's I like can a, completely yeah. believe it. Later, the scientist's father is pushed out of his own company and attacks an outdoor festival, killing his board of directors before being foiled by the young nerd dressed like a spider. Later, the scientist's father attempts to recruit the young nerd to join him, but is refused and injures the young nerd's arm. I mean, seriously, how many times do you hear, like, join me, 
join me and whatever. we will create whatever the right, fuck. Right, but whenever there's that scene, there's always some person who has a face you could see, another person who has a mask, but in this case, they both have masks, so it looks like a Power Rangers scene. Are you referring to Darth Vader? But yeah. at least he goes, join me, and then we can conquer the whole galaxy. But Green Goblin's like, join me and... I don't know. I don't know. Up. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just get fuck back at all the investors right. who didn't invest yeah. in I'm me. I'm not even sure what his gripe is. <laughs> he had two bouts of revenge and then was like, now I'm evil. Like, yeah. what, what? what? I don't know what he's doing. What's your motivation <laughs> now besides kill Spider-Man? Right, like, exactly. And instead you're like, join me and we can kill Spider-Man. I'm Spider-Man. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, I should have killed you instead That's of talking <laughs> to you. Fuck. Ah, my tooth. It's a real clunky-ass scene. Has there ever been... A Even hero. Evil Dead. Join us. Yeah. Have there, has there ever been a yeah. hero that has joined the villain and been like, that yeah, sounds like a pretty good fucking deal. Let's, <laughs> that's not bad. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll join you. Later, the young nerd hosts Thanksgiving dinner with his aunt, the redhead, the rich friend, and the rich friend's scientist dad. There, the scientist's father sees the injury on the young nerd's arm and realizes the young nerd is the man dressed as a spider and decides to hurt the ones closest to him and attacks his aunt and kidnaps the redhead he's in love with. The young nerd rushes to save the redhead from falling off a bridge where scientist father reveals his identity. Scientist father appeals to young nerd's emotions while he prepares a sneak attack. But when young nerd dodges, the scientist father impales himself. It's weird that in all of these Spider-Man movies, starting with this one, we're supposed to feel like sympathetic towards the villains because they're mentally ill or it's not their fault that they're such villains. There's a good side to them, right? Even the Green Goblin, the gas yeah. made him fucking crazy. He's talking to himself in a fucking mirror and shit. I think they do it because it's like, it's more real, right? Like to have a fleshed out person that's like, there are circumstances. They yeah. accomplish their goal. The films make me feel bad for every single one of the villains, pretty much, save for maybe Venom. Right. Yeah. yeah, who gives a shit about it? Right, that? right, right. But like you get like there you get you get the backstory and you get like why they became this. And it's it's related to what you said, Scott. When we did the Unbreakable trilogy, we were talking about how Spider-Man villains have to do with like science because he's he's created from science, right? That's the idea. Right. Yeah. So yeah. so you really see that in all these various scientists, their intentions weren't necessarily bad from the start it's, you know you always think of the the phrase you know absolute power corrupts absolutely yeah you yeah. know it's a, that kind of thing of like when when you're in science and they're they're these high level scientists you start to get carried away and think you know you play god a little bit yeah, you think okay. that you can get away with these things spider-man could be using this power for evil the entire time but right. he does not no because he so learned like, his lesson Right. So it strengthens even his resolve that, like, you know, to see these guys fucking up is to be like, yeah, I'm the opposite of that. Right. I'm the guy who made the right choice, and you guys keep making the wrong choices, even though your intentions were good. Somewhere along the way, you made an, the incorrect choice. Right, right. And I'm taking the moral high ground, like, why should I expect any less from you? Right. And I see, Scott, you're also not mentioning the whole conflict in this plot between Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Which yes. is a huge through line that runs all three movies, really. Love for Mary Jane, how he's going to keep Mary Jane, what he says to Mary Jane. I would say it's one of the most important couples in comic book history. Absolutely. I, I, oh, by far. Like Superman, Lois Lane. Again, we said Superman, Lois Lane, Spider-Man, Mary sure. Jane. In this movie, though, they treat it in a really sloppy way. At certain points, she acts like she doesn't know him, and at other times, she's like, we're best well, friends she's, in she's fourth the grade. Popular, she's the popular girl. It's really like a Forrest Gump and Jenny-type neighbor relationship where their best friends as little kids grow up to love each other. 
And Mary Jane went and got AIDS. And- Stanley <laughs> was ahead of his time. He's like the only thing he's not willing to give up from his life. Like, yeah. he, like I could stop going to school. I could stop working. I could do all that shit and still be Spider-Man. But she's still part of my life, and I'm not gonna ever gonna you like. See, you yeah, see absolutely. one girl in a t-shirt in the rain takes you very far. But if I you mean, see her upside down, you're just trying to get back to that moment, right? Like, I mean, first. really. Phil, upside down, you just mentioned the signature shot in really for me in the entire trilogy, which is the upside down kiss. And it co- keeps coming back thematically in all of the films. And it's mostly stupid. Later, at the scientist's father's funeral, the rich friend swears vengeance on the man dressed like a spider. And the redhead professes her love for the young nerd who turns her down to protect her from his enemies. Honestly, this first movie feels like it's like a nerd's wet dream. <laughs> yeah. Like he gets all the powers he right. wanted, he gets everything he wanted. He could have the girl and he turns her down because he's doing the right thing. This is kind of like Travis Bickle wish fulfillment for the angry nerd. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's very similar to the ending of Taxi Driver like, "No, what?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a funny part because Mary Jane and Peter Parker are talking. And she's like, oh, you know, Spider-Man. And he's like, yeah. And he talk, He says this whole, like, romantic thing to her. And it, it's almost like he's saying, Spider-Man delivered this monologue to me. I memorized it word for word so I could tell you right now. Yeah. Like, oh. It's like beauty. And you're Spider-Man. You, then. Yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> that's you then. Peter, you're Spider-Man, aren't <laughs> Exactly. You? Not since OJ had a fictional person kill those people in the I Did It book. I don't know how that's related. <laughs> I don't know what. I mean, it, it took you about like three hours to get to OJ. All right. I think that takes us to Scott's uh, plots for number two, the second film. Yes. Yes. All right. So what's, why don't you rock out? What's that one out? called? Spider-Man 2. 2004. The rich friend is now in charge of his dead scientist father's company and is funding an energy project run by a portly scientist. I'm going to stop you right there. We don't even really understand what the Green Goblin is doing in the first movie, much less what his son takes over, Harry, who's a certified moron. I will say that's actually kind of a fair point because they do kick him off the board. Oh, and yeah, they kick him out of the company. Oh, shit, right. that's right. But then he does kill all the board members and all those people. <laughs> so everyone who's a board member now probably doesn't remember but much from the past. But so. like James Franco's looking really young still. And he's like, I will come up with what the new scientific endeavor is to launch our company into the Even next. I am in no way a scientist. Right. I have no. <laughs> he seems so stupid to be connected with the deep scientific plots that come later with right. like, uh, you know, Doc Ock. But Spider-Man has a very rich and diverse supporting cast. But Sam Raimi uses this movie to set them up making the worst decisions possible. The Green Goblin plotline will continue through all three movies. And I don't know that it's it's worth it. During a demonstration, the portly scientist uses robotic arms attached to his spine to handle materials. But the experiment goes horribly wrong, fusing the arms to his body and killing his wife before the young nerd dressed as a spider shuts it down. You know, it seems like a lot of trouble to have the arms created simply so it could handle radioactive substances. Right. Use a glove. Why, why make them AI? Why would you need to make them have their own personality? Yeah, like ha- make a drone if you're going to do those. Don't be things. in the room with it with a bunch of other people. I mean, is it really because he doesn't want to like g- grab stuff? 
These are my squeezing arms. Sometimes I don't want to put things on the counter and grab another thing, but that's, we, we're bored with two arms. Yeah. It's like the pre-show was when the, those little needles were going into his spine and people were like, okay, yeah, let's invest in that. Oh, oh, that's not what we're here for? No, oh, no. Oh, shit. No. Okay. I uh, just want to touch things easy, more easily. Oh, no, no. I'm making a small sun inside <laughs> my apartment. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what seriously, who doesn't realize that making the sun in their apartment is going to somehow, like, fuck shit up? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure what his goal... I don't know. I'm not sure in this whole second movie what his goal really is. Okay, know. you got the sun. What are you doing with the sun? What are you doing with it? That's what it, he's saying. The power of the sun in the palm what? of my Why? hand. Yes, he stole what? that from, from fucking Sunny D. Yeah. <laughs> from, the, from the drink, Sunny D. The power of the sun in the palm of my hand. And you know how oh. bad Sunny D is. Sunny that shit delight. is vile. Mm, I yeah. love Sunny D. Ew, Scott. We talked about that during I the transporter. That when we were talking about Orangina and the transporter, you were like, you were like mm, Sunny D. Sunny D. I was like, come on. I'd also like to take this time to mention that the Trilogy Podcast is brought to you by Sunny Delight. They wish. <laughs> the power of the sun in your hand. You owe us a check for $1 million now. <laughs> I mean, the was his gimmick as a scientist just the guy that had the extra arms? I think so. And he just did a bunch of things, and every time- but That's like just, the whole- That's that's so funny about but it. But like, it's, is that his first time using right. the arms, or does he use the arms for everything? That's what's so weird. It's peripheral. <laughs> he created it so it, at college parties he could jerk himself off. Phil, <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, terrible. Please cut that. Come on. Uh, I'm definitely please, keeping please it cut. in. Like, it would make more sense if he was, like, on the other side of, like, a window and was like, all right, I will now use these- Giant arms. To jerk myself off. <laughs> Again, Phil. At a friend party. What? Corrupted by the robot arms artificial intelligence, the portly scientist robs banks to get money to try to the experiment again. Meanwhile, the young nerd struggles to keep up with his crime-fighting life and his regular life and begins to lose his powers. And when the redhead gets engaged, the young nerd decides to stop dressing up like a spider. Sometimes, you know, you have to give up porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely reasonable that Peter Parker really like, what am I fucking doing this for? Yeah. This moral obligation I have to Uncle Ben, I've yeah. got to live my life. He can't get laid. He loses his best friend. He's unemployable. He's listening to a scanner. And the police don't even like him. And you have Mary Jane. She's like, you didn't see my show. And she's in the importance of being earnest. Oh, why would you want to see that? Jim Varney's been dead for years. <laughs> Meanwhile, the portly scientist attacks the rich friend and demands more materials for his experiment. The rich friend agrees to give the portly scientist the materials if he kills the man dressed as a spider, who he believes killed his scientist father. Just no reason for the agreement at all. Why wouldn't Doc Ock just be like, no, I'm going to hang you further out the window. Or I could fucking drop you off this building. Yeah, I or mean, I could kill you right now. Harry's going to make the man's... We have the same enemy, you and I. Enough, yeah. enough. <laughs> the portly scientist kidnaps the redhead, and the young nerd's powers return, and he rushes to save her. After a battle that severely weakens the young nerd, dressed as a spider. <laughs> <laughs> Got a comment. Specify, he is dressed as a spider at this right. moment. <laughs> the portly scientist delivers him to the rich friend, who before killing him removes his mask, revealing the man dressed as a spider is the young nerd who quickly leaves to save the redhead. This is a big problem I have with all the Spider-Man movies. You get this whole theme going on where Peter Parker is saying, I don't want anyone to know that I'm Spider-Man because then they will be in danger from my enemies. Right. Yet in every movie, they're still in danger 
from his enemies right. simply because he's acknowledged that he like knows Spider-Man. It it what's the difference? If Who cares? He Tell should... everyone. It doesn't matter. Well, because the the true problem is he can't have any friends or any loved ones or any of this stuff. But he, he does all that. He's like, fine, I'm not friends or loved ones with any of these people. Except I'm best friends with Peter Parker. Yeah. I know Spider-Man <laughs> you know, like, very well. Right. We're best buddies. He lets me take pictures of him. <laughs> of his asshole. Yeah. So why stand by this? Why, yeah. why die on this hill if it's not going to really matter? That's the other thing about being Spider-Man is that you, have a, you, you do a terrible job of protecting the fact that you are Spider-Man. I think that this Spider-Man, especially in this, because he harps on it so much in the Raimi Spider-Man, this particular Spider-Man uh, is very insecure yeah, and doesn't believe that when the time comes, he'll be able to save the people he loves, and that's why he can't have a normal. Yeah, he's a okay. he's a real schlub. Right. Okay, that makes he sense. He is punishing himself because of fucking like you said, yeah. Phil. You know the original sin of Uncle Ben. It's you very know, Catholic. Like, when we get to this end part here, Scott Spider Man says to Green Goblin, he says, "There are bigger things happening here," and it's like, yeah, enough of your plot line. I got Doc Ock here. That's going to make a fucking son. I was like, good. Even fucking Spider-Man knows you're just being yeah. trivial. Fuck off, Harry. Yeah, like, enough. The young nerd is able to convince the portly scientist to shut down the experiment. He saves the redhead, and the portly scientist sacrifices himself. The young nerd reveals his identity to the redhead and says they cannot be together. Later... The redhead stands up her fiancé at her wedding, and her and the young nerd decide they can be together after all. I remember being wowed by that movie. I saw it at least three or four times. Uh, you know, Scott, you've, you've heard me say it a million times. I like my superhero movies light. So when they keep it light, and it's really just a fight between a good guy and a bad guy, I'm down. Yeah. When you try and layer it with all these just deep themes about this, this, and this, I'm like, well, at the end of the day, the guy fucking shoots a fucking web out of his arm. So sure. it's hard for me to be like, oh, you're just like me. It's hard for me to yeah. find that empathy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Especially in this third movie. Take it away. Okay. So we were having fun. Now, of course, we're on to the plot for the train wreck that is Spider-Man 3. 2007. Things are going great for the young nerd, and he plans to propose to the redhead. Meanwhile, a meteor falls from space with some black goo on it and follows the young nerd home. Meanwhile, the rich friend finds his scientist father's flying vehicle and performance-enhancing aerosol and uses it to avenge his scientist father and battles the young nerd, ending with the rich friend unconscious with no memory of who the man dresses a spider is. And what is he doing there? Is he breathing the gas? Yeah, that was like the stuff that his dad That gave dead. him his skill. Right. But and also so, kind of drove him fucking insane. The reality is the hoverboard scene from Back to the Future 2 was cooler than this hoverboard. So. Oh my god! I'm tired of the Green Goblin. I literally being I was on... like, it's fucking Griff Tannen. Yeah, like, really. That's what he looks like. I don't love the design of like the Green Goblin in the first one, but but we get to the third one, you're like, did you lose all of the people who did your shit for the first two? Right. Where's his costume? Well, he has, he has costume. no costume. I mean, the first scene is really like Harry fighting Peter Parker, and they have their powers, but not in costume. That's the thing, is they don't commit to him being Green Goblin. He's using it to go through this plot, but you know by the end, he's going to have some sort yeah, of redemption because, because they this... never commit to him being the villain. The movie feels like it's killing time. There is a way for you to have all these villains in the periphery. And this movie shows you how not to do it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Previous attempts, like Batman Returns worked 
Yeah. Well, they just did X-Men that had a huge cast of like all these people. It's an ensemble movie and it worked, right? Um, so, yeah, but like, that, well, X-Men can't... is different because it's like a team of like many people. So if they have multiple villains, it's something that's reasonable against like five or six guys. If it's right. one guy and you need three villains to take him down, fuck off, man. Right. The third movie to me feels like word poetry on the fridge, the fridge magnets. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. like that scrambled wrong where you're like, there's potential here to make something, but it's just, it's right. just out of order. Meanwhile, the police pursue an escaped convict and he falls into a machine filled with sand and becomes sand himself. I don't understand any of that, I by the no way. I have no fucking clue what, what's in, happening in that scene. In the shot, Whatever. the sand cells are beating up the human cells. If if I go to the beach and I get sand in my butt, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go in and change your DNA. <laughs> <laughs> At a high speed, mind you. Uh, suddenly, I'm Sandman. I love how they don't even try to explain what the fuck that thing was. <laughs> yeah. Because like they cut to the people inside, it's like ah, it's probably a bird. It'll just move. Uh, it, it's got to be like a really big bird. <laughs> if it's a bird, like, you would think that one of them would have stated what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> We're like, all right, this is uh, sand experiment number fucking twelve. <laughs> you know I mean? Just like give us something. What is happening here? What was the purpose of this machine previously? Uh, yeah. What was the goal of the machine? What was it supposed to do? <laughs> I, I know. Like, any any Anything. simple explanation would have been better. You know? <laughs> yeah, Say something really. stupid. Even if it was like, well, that's not real. You're like, well, it's a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Not, I don't yeah. believe anything you tell me. Like. <laughs> Later, the young nerd and his aunt are called to the police station and learn that the escaped convict made of sand was really the man who killed his uncle in the first one. He seems to be having a flashback of events he wasn't there to witness. It's not a flashback scene. That's him imagining what happened. I, and it's incredibly know. misleading. You're pushing this theme throughout the first two movies where it's like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility and then for them to are just arbitrarily in the third movie be like well it wasn't really your fault let's have him relearn a lesson he learned two movies ago and shouldn't peter parker be like i'm delighted now this weight is off my shoulders you're absolved they get the math wrong on this whole thing later that night while sleeping the black goo encases the young nerd in a new black version of his suit that seems to bring out his dark side during the dark side, he kills the Green Goblin, who tries to murder him many times. He exposes the other photographer as being a fraud. What's wrong with that? At this point, Venom is great. It makes yeah. perfect sense. But then it manifests well, in a weird incel-like well, way. Yeah, we're going to get yeah, there. Yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is up until this point, these first two incidents. It's not so bad. The young nerd tracks down the escaped convict made of sand and uses water to dissipate him, seemingly killing him. The rich friend suddenly remembers his revenge on the young nerd and convinces the redhead to break up with him and pretend to date him. Under the influence of the black goo, the young nerd fights with the rich friend, telling him his scientist father never loved him and disfigures him. Meanwhile, another photographer at the newspaper he works at brings in a doctored photo of the man dressed as a spider stealing. The young nerd reveals this is a fake and the other photographer is fired. The black goo makes the young nerd an overconfident young nerd, and he shows up at the redhead's job with another woman to taunt her. 
And before leaving, he hits the redhead. Maybe the strangest part of any any weird. anything in the trilogy any film ever. This is why it's important that it's Raimi. It's because you got to look at the Raimi's lens of growing up being a uh, out of touch nerd uh, his <laughs> yeah. whole life, and so, writing these lines with his brother, yeah, uh, um, Ivan. These tough guy lines that aren't tough guy lines. No. They're lines they learned from '30s movies when, they watched when they were growing up. When and, Bruce Campbell met Sam Raimi in high school, he actually almost tripped on him because Sam. Raimi was sitting in the middle of the hallway wearing a top hat and a cape playing with dolls. Realizing that the goo is corrupting him, the young nerd goes to a church where the sound frequency of the church bells blasts the goo off of him and attaches itself to the other photographer who becomes corrupted and recruits the escaped convict made of sand to take down the young nerd. Eddie Brock <laughs> is in the church and he's like, I pray to you, God, that Peter Parker dies yeah and suddenly the black goo comes from yeah. the ceiling you <laughs> love he's like yeah you know me god you know i'm a good yeah, guy all i ask seriously, is that you murder peter parker it's religion <laughs> at know, its finest i'm a good guy it's religion <laughs> at its finest he says it it happens yeah thank you god he might be both incels we needed an excuse for spider-man to fight with his other suit the photographer covered in black goo kidnaps the redhead and the young nerd rushes to save her after learning the truth of his scientist father's death, the rich friend assists the young nerd in killing the goo-covered photographer, resulting in the rich friend dying himself. Good. <laughs> Who cares? Die. The escaped convict made of sand explains that the young nerd's uncle's death was an accident and apologizes. And the young nerd forgives him. Later, the young nerd dances with the redhead. The end. <laughs> oh, well, I... He doesn't actually just dance. Did that with her. sound confusing? She says she's sitting in, in the cafe with people watching, and he walks in, and she stops singing while she's you know entertaining people. Yeah, and then walks over to him, and then they hug. And also, he's should be banned from that place. Seriously, because he punched and flipped around two large men. Right. You know why? Why wouldn't and security hit a woman. running after him as soon as he's approaching the stage towards the woman he backhanded? At the end of the day, this movie had Batman and Robin fever, where they're trying to add too many characters, trying to appease too many people and fans of the series all in one film. Batman and Robin did it better. I don't know about that. Batman and Robin was truly an abomination. Yes, it was horseshit, but they introduced their horseshit in a timely manner. You're not going to get me to like Batman and Robin. I'm it's not trying to get you to like it. I'm it's trying fucking to admit that at least they got the math right. If it had come together in some sort of organic way, instead of just like, I heard you hate the Spider-Man. Right. I think what? it's safe to say that the three of us sort of resent the third movie the most, without a doubt. For sure. Especially coming off a strong second film. So, those are the plots. I think you did a phenomenal job, my friend Scott. All right. Thank you. I think it's now time to get to a very extended version of Vinformation. Vindicated. Billy helps out. Vinformation. Guys, Spider-Man didn't come out until the early 2000s, but it was in production literally for like 20 years. The rights initially from Marvel went to Roger Corman. Okay, and everyone knows Roger Corman. He's a director that influenced like every other director. He wound up doing a lot of low budgety kind of horror things, right, Phil? Like Roger Corman is right. known for that. But he's a he's a he's a big old time carny. He wrote a screenplay. Stan Lee did not like it. Stan Lee has a lot of guardianship over Spider-Man. And he really wants as much budget thrown at it as possible. 
the rights then reverted to Golan and Globus, the Canon company. Now, Scott, <laughs> you and I talked about Canon when we did the Missing in Action trilogy, but they didn't even really like understand Spider-Man. They wanted to make it a horror movie, but naturally, Stan Lee didn't like it. Sure. So it didn't happen. They made a new script, okay? Once they got a better sense of Spider-Man, it was going to be directed by Joe Zito, who directed the first Missing in Action movie. Tom Cruise was like attached to it as Spider-Man. Bob Hoskins attached to it as Doc Ock. fun. Stan Lee was going to play Jonah Jameson. But again, the budget was 15 or $20 million, but after the failure of Superman 4, yeah. which was another Golan and Globus, they took the budget for Spider-Man and chopped it in half. I'm going to rip you in half now. Cannon was sold, okay? And Menachem Golan of Golan and Globus, he brought with him along to a company called 20th Century Films, not 20th Century Fox, <laughs> a different film company. He brought the Spider-Man and the Captain America properties along with him, and he was going to make it himself. He sold theatrical rights to Carol Co., which is famous for like the, uh, the First Blood and Rambo movies. He sold uh, rights to James Cameron, which was supposed to be like a really dark script and everything. He has a wet dream and wakes that, up covered in spiderweb. Part of that script continued. The, the, the thing of him having it shooters as like internal things, that, yeah. was, a, that was a James Cameron element that continued okay. from his screenplay. MGM bought the 20th Century Film Company and sued fucking everybody. And around this time, 20th Century... Carol Co. and Marvel all went bankrupt. And at the end of the day, a judge said that Golan's option had expired and that the rights had reverted back to Marvel. And at that point, they wasted no time in selling the rights to Sony. Tech-savvy consumers are lining up today to be the first to purchase Sony's brand new stupid piece of shit that doesn't do the goddamn thing it's fucking supposed to. Now, guys, this movie, when it comes to money... It's just insane. This movie was made for $139 million and wound up making $825 million globally, 407 within this country. It set the record for, for the weekend, for one day, for the second weekend. It was just a juggernaut. Yeah. It was certainly the biggest comic book film of all time until The Dark Knight. Like you said, Stan Lee took a gamble on, on one of his creations. He always did and pushed for more because he knew it would be worth it. And finally, let me just say that it got very strong reviews. People lauding the performances of Maguire and Defoe, J.K. Simmons. A lot of a lot of girls wanted to be kissed upside down uh, that summer. Um, of none of them wanted me to kiss them upside down. Well, that's not surprising. And of course, there was a big criticism of the Green Goblin. Scott, take off that helmet. Take off that fucking helmet. You know, they had that early makeup test. Yeah. So fucking cool. In the comic, it's like a rubber mask he wears. Yeah. You know, like. It's so B-movie looking. You have a guy whose face is so goblin-y already, and then you put a mask over right? him. And they try to, and it seems like they realize they made a mistake because they put, like, you can see his mouth. That's not good enough, though. I don't want to look at his eyes. I no, want to look at his want whole his goony face. face. Right. Now remove your helmet. Look, I really don't think this is a good idea. Just take off the helmet. I'm not going to. Take it off. No. Now. Okay. Which takes me to Spider-Man 2. Um, the sequel was announced immediately after the success of the first movie. Yeah. Okay. The sequel is, is inspired by the 1967 storyline, Spider-Man No More. He goes through some problems where he decides he doesn't want to be Spider-Man anymore. He's losing his powers a little bit and wants to have a normal fucking life. So okay. he quits. And now in and the throws his shit in a garbage can. Yeah. <laughs> Just like in the comic. Pretty iconic picture. Yeah. The way they shoot that that shot is like a recreation of that iconic shot of him walking away from the garbage can. Tobey Maguire, originally there was a fear that he wasn't going to be in the movie because he had a bad back. He had a bad sea biscuit 
back. He had an injury filming the movie. He Sea got Biscuit. kicked by a yes. horse. That classic <laughs> sports injury. The Sea Biscuit back. <laughs> he even star. alludes to it in the movie. He yeah. falls down. And he's like, "My back, it's my a, yeah, back." Entirely an in joke. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's an in joke. My back. Oh, my back. Doc Ock, they weren't sure who was going to play him at first. It was almost, it was going to be Ed Harris, Christopher Walken, Robert De Niro. I always wanted Christopher Walken. Me and my brother, when we heard he was being considered, like we back and forth would just be like, Dr. Octopus. <laughs> like just saying yeah. it like that. You're like, sounds right. I carried the power of the sun in my ass. <laughs> Two years. You're never going to defeat me ever. <laughs> I'll be damned if I let Jay Jonah get his hands on it. Each arm was controlled by four people, and they tried to do as many practical effects as they could because it was so expensive to do the CGI with the arms and everything. Sure. This movie was budgeted at $200 million. It made $789 worldwide, $376 domestically, so it's just under the first movie. It got great reviews. People loved it. Even now, with the Avengers world, people are still impressed by this movie. This movie feels like a comic book. It's also amazing. If it works, it could change the way we live. It is amazing, and it will work. Spider-Man 3 was planned before the second movie was even released. Raimi wanted to conclude the Goblin story. He wanted to make the antagonist uh, Sandman. And he also wanted to make him responsible for Uncle Ben to add extra gravitas to the character. I think... He complicates it by taking a C-level character and trying to add more meaning to him. Yeah. Right, right. He's just a fucking thug no, in the that, comics, you know? Right. Like They originally going to have Ben Kingsley play the Vulture. Yeah. Great. But Raimi was convinced by a producer to do Venom because apparently, like, the producer thought that that's what the public wanted. He is a 60s Peter Parker Spider-Man reader, and that's where all of his movies derive from. When you introduce the, a hard 80s character... Yeah. You're fucking the tone up. Venom sort of doesn't fit in this world. No. You know what? You're you're bold. I I'm you're very I'm I'm very mad at you. At the time, this was the most expensive movie ever made. We're looking at $258 million Ooh. against an $894 million profit in this country, like 336. Third biggest movie of 2007. At the time, it was the biggest trilogy financially of all time, and it was the biggest movie for Sony until Skyfall came out. There was going to be a, th a fourth and a fifth movie. Yeah. But Raimi had a dispute with the company over the time frame. He didn't feel like he could make a good enough fourth movie in the time that allocated to him. Right. Since then, we've had, just to kind of fill in the gaps, we had a reboot with Andrew Garfield. Yes. yes. Okay, now he made two movies. Naturally, we don't care about them because it's not a trilogy, but in the context of the two trilogies we're covering, it will be important. Well, it was The Amazing Spider-Man 1 right. and 2. He's kind of a bully in it. He's not like a fun Spider-Man. He's a mean dude. I, you know, and I've still never seen the second one. I've only seen the first one, and I thought it was fine. Right in between two trilogies, we have kind of a malformed fetus. This is going to lead into the Marvel Universe Spider-Man trilogy, yes. which we're going to cover next, okay? And by the third movie, from what we hear, these universes will be connected in yes. some way. Okay? So that's important to know. This really kind of was like a rocket when it came to superhero movies. Spider-Man at its best is always pushing forward the boundaries of what an actual comic book movie is capable of. Spider-Man at its worst is the third movie of this trilogy. They love me. Okay. So, guys, there are a ridiculously huge amount of actors that have been in all these movies. 
Tobey Maguire. He, Trilogy superstar. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. He was in that one early scene. We talked about it, Scott. That we did that. albino kid. We did the uh, Gilliam Americana trilogy. Early in his career, he was in a lot of competition with Leonardo DiCaprio for a lot of films, yeah. who beat him for every single film, basically. He's been in, what, like um, the Cider House Rules? That's yes. where Raimi saw him. I thought that movie was about cider. It's about orphans. Well, I wish it was about cider. If you're talking about that movie, maybe Wonder Boys, maybe Sea Biscuit. I like Wonder Boys. Someone jumped on your car with their butt. How can you tell? Well, you can see the outline of a butt. The next actor that's in all three of these films is Willem Dafoe. Now, he's obviously a major character in the first movie. You know what? You're right. He certainly ain't playing the friend. You're right, (laughs) Phil. He is playing Defoe. To me, Willem Defoe is an actor that is like at the same time both charismatic and repellent. He's a trilogy superstar. The uh, Vietnam trilogy, Platoon, Oliver Stone. He's also a trilogy superstar because he's in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, part of the Rodriguez Ah, trilogy as well. And he's in the Triple X trilogy. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, we'll get we'll get to it eventually because we yeah. have to. Shadow of the Vampire. Oh yeah. Nominated for Love Best Actor one. for that movie. The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, he a was Mississippi all, Burning. He's also mm. great movie. Holy shit! Mississippi Burning is great. He's been in some real bombs as well, like uh, Body of Evidence with Madonna. He's never the worst part of anything he's in. He's yeah. always going for it. He makes Boondock Saints watchable. In that's a, what yeah. makes that. That's what made that movie. He's like, having fun. It's I'm great fucking to see. like a cult classic that people watch is because of yeah. Defoe. In the last he couple of years, he's been like, nominated for Academy Award for Best Actor and Supporting Actor in movies I've never heard of. The Florida Project. Have, does that ring a bell? Yeah, nope. yeah. Yeah, and um, at Eternity's Gate. Ring yeah. a bell? Nope. He was in the lighthouse the recently, lighthouse. and he's fucking fantastic. Holy shit, he's so good because he plays like an old fucking crotchety sailor, yeah. and you're like, that's a, a perfect role for yeah. Willem Dafoe. So good. Your character is this great old sea salt, and one of the things he does is he est- his job is to establish dominance. And you're talking about me corralling him with farts. <laughs> It's in no, the that's, not, that's not where I was going. Uh, <laughs> now, do they teach you how to fart on command at Juilliard? No, I know how to do that. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. The third actor would be Kirsten Dunst. She broke out in an interview with a vampire. She was a kid actor. I Little Women, Jumanji, 10, 10. Wag the Dog, a very underrated movie. Yes. Mammoth written movie. Yeah, he was yeah. a Mammoth. Virgin Suicides. Dick, Virgin Suicides, good Terrific. film. Uh, Mona Lisa Smile, which I was an extra in. Um, <laughs> with uh, Julia Roberts. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Fantastic. Great. I think lately, as she's, you know, she's an adult woman now. She's like a grown, yeah, you know, she's, she's in her 30s. And she, I think she's become a really good actress. I, I just watched uh, Netflix, this weird, it's a weird, weird movie, The Power of the Dog with oh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I, yeah, see I that saw movie. that. She's, she's pretty good in it. She was yeah. great in Fargo. She is married to Jesse Plemons. Yeah, but I mean, right. e- energy-wise, you know, I mean, you gotta admit, we were stuck in the mud. Emotionally, I mean. And then now, we're flying. Right now, I just gotta keep us alive. You're doing it, hun. We both are. Which but. brings us to James Franco. <laughs> Why does it have to bring us to James Franco? Look, James Franco. Franco. Famous, famous for being both a douchebag in real life and in every movie he's been in, yes. it's James Franco. A half-asleep douchebag. Yeah. Um, his he, eyes are half closed for most of these. He's he's, he's he's been in the I news. Hate Spider-Man. Because my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what my dad doing. 
<laughs> Lately, he's been in the news because in the you know the Me Too world we live in, he's a rapist. he leveraged his job as an acting teacher. But what's weird is like in the descriptions, it's like during simulated oral sex scenes, he took out the mouth guard. Guys, I've been an acting teacher for twenty five years. I don't remember teaching any. Any any simulated oral sex scenes? What yeah. scene is? What kind of acting school is that? Why do you need a mouth guard? To stage it in such a way yes. that it looks like well, you're Scott. Doing it, I, I but tell not. you, what irritates me about Franco is that he leveraged his celebrity to get a bunch of fake college degrees. He went to UCLA and they gave him permission to take sixty-two credits a semester. You know, sixty-two. The rule is like eighteen, and that's that's heavy duty. Yeah. He graduated UCLA in two years. Yeah. Then he got accepted to the Columbia School of Writing, the Tisch School of Filmmaking, and the Brooklyn College School of Fiction Writing. Oh, my God. Because it's not impressive. Like, wow, you're in Columbia and NYU at the same time. It's like, no, it's because you're some fucking famous douchebag. They let you get away with this shit. Exactly. That's ludicrous. It's not impressive to anybody. You get famous enough, they just hand you degrees. Yeah. So what are you trying to prove? Mostly Franco is uh, most famous for his relationship with Seth Rogen. They did a ton of movies together, whether it be The Disaster Artist or Pineapple Express or The Interview. And they, of course, uh, came up together doing Freaks and Geeks. He was nominated for a Best Actor for 127 Hours. Oh, the one where he cuts his arm off? Where he cuts his arm off. Spoilers. Dude, spoiler alert. But you know what? (laughs) He is a trilogy superstar because Uh of Planet of the Apes. It's like, it's great because you're like, fuck, James Franco is the star of this movie? You're like, oh, wait, no, he's not. The ape is the star of this movie. (laughs) James Franco is supporting. There are certain actors. I can deal with that for one movie. There's certain personalities and actors that are hardworking or also kind of laconic. And he tries to do both. And he just comes off as a privileged rich kid. Who is just fucking sleepwalking his way through a film someone, career. Someone down the line told just him he, looked like, James, he exa- looked like James Dean. I was and just going to say like, the I'm same just going to do that. People were like, my God, he reminds me of a young James Dean. Like, yeah, I wish he reminded me of a young James yeah. Dean and died in a fucking car accident. Oh, no. <laughs> if I'm lucky, I'll become half of what he is. You're tearing me apart. Cliff Robinson, who played Uncle... <laughs> Uncle Ben, rice guru. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, Uncle everyone Ben. I knows, don't like your rice. Everyone knows Cliff Robertson because he won the Academy Award for Charlie. For Charlie. Based right. on flowers for Algernon. I think it's the only yes. other thing I know him from. Oh, besides uh, Shane. Escape from LA. I oh. just watched a movie with him called Man on a String. He's just he's an alcoholic cop looking for a killer. And he uses a clairvoyant to find was, him. Look, he was, but he's also a marionette. And of course, Rosemary Harris, she's basically known as a stage actor. She's done everything in the theater from The Crucible to Uncle Vanya, to Streetcar. But she was also in Tom and Viv in the early 90s and uh, got an Academy Award nomination for that. She's a spot on casting. Yeah, no, and she May. sells she's a good, yeah. like She's, she's right on the, the money. Comics, she right is on the, money, the last May. iteration right. of that kind of Aunt May. You got J.K. Simmons as as uh Jay so, Jonah Jameson. Okay, and he's great. Yeah, and he's another one like absolutely perfect oh, casting. Yeah. Thank you for smoking, Juno yeah. up in the air. I'm just rattling them Justice off. Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut. His Academy Award for Whiplash, Jay Jonah Jameson in like a hundred different cartoon iterations. He's now currently yeah. playing Jay Jonah Jameson yeah. in the new Spider-Man movies. There's a great story. Billy West, you know, he's a voice actor who did Ren and Stimpy, yeah, he, did, he, he used to be on Howard Stern a lot. Yeah, His wife was saying, like, when Oz was on, his wife was like, you got to see this show. You got to, there's this one guy on the show who is not acting. 
Yeah. She's like, I believe that he's been in prison and that he's killed people. And he's like, what are you talking about? So finally she shows him it and it's J.K. Simmons. And he goes, I know that guy. He's the yellow M&M. <laughs> because Billy West was the red M&M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, he knew he was like, that's the yellow that's M&M. Great. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, this guy is scary? Let me up. You know, Let me up. I always wondered, was that a BC's dick bigger than mine? <laughs> you be the judge. <laughs> what have you done? Did I ruin Christmas, Red? And so, yeah, all right, and just to wrap it up, the newsroom trio. You have Bill Nunn, okay, yes. who was in like a lot of Spike Lee uh, movies. He was Radio Rahim and Do the Right Thing. Yes. He was in New Jack City. He is, of course, playing a Spider-Man uh, comic character, Robbie Robertson. You got um, Raby's brother, Ted, who he just put in all three of these films. There's another- Hoffman. Hoffman. Which I don't think is a comic character. He's a trilogy superstar because his brother also put him like in every Evil Dead movie. Yeah. Uh, he shows up randomly in a lot of places. Yeah. Though. He's randomly on Twin Peaks. He's randomly yeah. on- He's in a lot like, of horror shit. He's in The Candyman. He, he was, was in, in The Grudge. Uh, he was in ben Shocker. Ben Drag Me to Hell as well. Another Sam Raimi. And finally, Elizabeth Banks. Betty Brant. Betty Brant. Another- Alliterative uh, name. Yes. Right? And yet another uh, comic book, actual comic book character. Okay. She's become somewhat of a big deal as time has gone on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whether it be um, from a 40-year-old version up to Slither, Fred Claus, and she's since become a trilogy superstar because she's in and directed the second Pitch Perfect. So we'll be talking about her down the road. Oh, All right. awesome. She was in the hung Hunger Games. Yeah, well. she was, of course, yeah. in the Hunger Games. She also uh, dated Jack on 30 Rock. She dated Alec Baldwin on there for a little while. She was the host of the reboot of Pressure Luck, the whammy game show. That's right. That's so. right. Big money, no whammy, I thought we would talk about these just when we do our breakdown. Uh, Bruce Campbell is in all three movies, a Raimi hero. Yes. And right. um, Stan Lee, because they're Marvel movies, is in all three. I thought we'd, we, we'll just talk about that as we go. Of course. But I also, there is one more character who's in all three movies, and that's John Lane Paxton, which is Bill Paxton's <laughs> father. And he plays the, like, the butler. Oh, God. He can't even say words. In the third movie, he's like, your father. I to tell you yeah. the thing about. Yeah. <laughs> See, they would have had more. The first movie he's used is just like, okay, sir, and like walks away. And you're like, okay, he's just like an extra or whatever. Yeah. Then anytime they use him after that, it's it's purely Sam Raimi going, I can't get enough of how awkward this guy is. <laughs> have like, him say this like, Yeah, have him say this. Oh my God, he looks uh, horrible. Oh, Raimi's like, Raimi's like, I love a fucked up old guy. <laughs> I'm not happy. I don't like this chair and I don't like this desk and I don't like being here. I'm a grumpy old man. I don't like everything the way it is now compared to the way it used to be. Which gentlemen brings us to the breakdown for Spider-Man. Is the narration really necessary for any of these three no. movies? No, I mean, it is a little, it's comic booky, right? It's because this is how typically Spider-Man would narrate his own stories in the comic yeah. books a lot of times. The one thing though, it does, it doesn't really work for me in movies because it always tells me whoever's talking did not die. 
Right. You know what I mean? So it takes oh, any of the tension out. Good point, Scott. Because they're telling the story. Except nah. in The Departed, where they use it that he, Jack Nicholson's doing the opening thing and he's dead before the end of the movie, which yeah. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Early on in the movie, they're like showing how Tobey Maguire is being bullied, and, and it's like, oh man, every time he wants to take a picture, this guy bumps into me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, just checking me in the walls. I mean, right. really? Like, that's hardly bullying. <laughs> but you fucking loser. I need to take the I perfect. Have to do my job. <laughs> I've got to take pictures on the class trip. The teacher comes up to Tobey Maguire and he's like, if you don't pay attention, I'm going to fail you. What, fail me on the class trip, you fucking idiot? <laughs> I was like, is that the same guy he walks up to uh, <laughs> fucking uh, James Franco? I was like, and so quietly and so menacingly, you were talking to her entire presentation. <laughs> and like, you expect this is going to cut to him just beating the bejesus out of him. Like, <laughs> Here's the reality. Teachers don't care at all if you're engaged on a class trip. They don't care if you're paying attention as no, long as you're not causing a disturbance. They certainly don't. Yeah. I, will, I do like in that scene, though, when they're uh, describing all the spiders, they're essentially describing all of Spider-Man's powers. Right. Right? Like they're going yeah. through, oh, and he has, this spider has this strength, and this one has this one. This one can't pay the rent. <laughs> this one's broke as shit. <laughs> Sorry, doesn't pay the rent. And don't try to sneak past me. I have ears like a cat. And eyes like a rodent. He gets bitten by the spider, and he's looking in the mirror, and like there's that weird scene where he kind of looks down at his dick, and he's like, oh, my dick is bigger because I'm Spider-Man. He was looking at it like his chest and shit oh, is no. all defined. He's got abs he's got, and he's got shit. sexy chest No, now. he's looking at his dick, and sexy it got chest. bigger. Like he was looking at his dick. He goes downstairs after the penis. He's going after the penis. <laughs> Uncle Ben and Aunt May are making breakfast. I just happened to notice that in the plate, there are like 30 sausages she makes for them. How much <laughs> sausage do you need for three people? It's yeah. outrageous. Uncle Ben needs to worry about his cholesterol, right. not being shot by a fucking carjacker. A couple of movies later, she's like, oh, we'd be married 50 years. If it no, you, like, no, no, you wouldn't. Oh, he would have had a heart attack he's in eaten, minute. He's eating the amount of sausages. Yeah, he's eating 15 <laughs> sausages a day. Sausages? Is this your diet? No, they're not mine, Mr. Mandelbaum. Don't lie to me, Butterbean. <laughs> Taking it up a notch. So we see Willem Dafoe, right, and his whole issue with he's trying to get funding for his performance-enhancing drugs. It's and not even his, clear what he wants. His glider and all that <laughs> stuff. And, like, right at the beginning, you get the scene with that military guy who's like, you know what, uh, I've never liked you. Uh, and <laughs> I don't, uh, I, my predecessor did this, and if you don't get a good human test, I'm going to pull your funding. <laughs> it's like, that's the real villain of this movie, is yeah. the, the military-industrial complex. It always is, because it always forces the villain to be like, well, I better try it on myself. Do you blame him if you have the pressure that he has? <laughs> yeah. of the doctor that's with him when he injects himself, I don't know who that actor is, but I really bought the concern in his face that the man yeah. who founded the company just died in front of him. He He's good. Like, no, no one would ever do this. Why are you doing this? Stop. Morgan, please. Like, I mean, oh my God, he's dead. He's dead. And everything You're kills like, him. genuine reactions. Like, <laughs> Need a little statement? Step into a slip jam. Oh, yeah. Bonesaw. Bonesaw. You get this line uh, from Spider-Man to Macho Man Randy Savage, of course, playing Bonesaw McGraw. <laughs> um, he says, nice costume. Did your husband give it to you? Ooh. And I was like, oh, it's your Rude. friendly neighborhood homophobic Spider-Man. <laughs> huh? 
Well, you get your Bruce Campbell scene here, which is you great. got your yeah. Bruce Campbell. He's the uh, he gets the he, announcer and the announcer. Him. He names Spider Man, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Right? The human spider that sucks, that and he sucks. gives him Spider Man. Yeah, the amazing Spider Man. He yeah. gives him, which is it's good. One of his main uh, monikers. Go Bruce Campbell, trilogy superstar. And not only you also have somebody else in that scene, and you notice. Octavia Spencer. Yeah. It's funny to watch a movie from, you know, 20 years ago and yeah. see people you are like, yeah, and then these people came to the forefront a few years and, later. And then she like, won an Academy Award. Yeah. Eat my shit. What'd you say? I said, eat my shit. For right. Christ's sake, if that balloon fight isn't the lamest shit in the history of film. It, it wouldn't be nearly as lame if Macy Gray wasn't there. <laughs> Macy Gray sucks. Baby. And how long is it going to take for MJ's balcony to fall in that scene? I know. It's like it cracks a little bit, then a little bit more, then a little bit more. Who are you going to save, Spider-Man? You've got all the time in the world to save her. Right. He's got that a balcony's chances. never going to fall, you idiot. And Spider-Man calls the Green Goblin Gobby. He does it in the comics. Though. I want to just kill myself. The thing is, when Tobey Maguire says Gobby, it's, it's disgusting. Gross. Yeah, it is. It's You're disgusting. right. It's like watching a 12-year-old eat a taco. Disgusting. And again, what is the Green Goblin's power even? Pumpkin bombs. Uh, oh, oh, they and they blow up. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, oh, that's the thing that's going to kill Spider-Man? Well, did you see that one bomb? It turned yeah. the whole board of directors into skeletons. That's true. They did Imagine turn- Imagine having that they on the did, battlefield. They did turn instantly into skeletons. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking crazy, right? One of my favorite Spider-Man quips in this movie is when he's going into the burning building and the cop is like, wait, hold on, we're going to arrest you. And like, there's somebody still up in that building. And he's like, all right, but I'll be here when you get back. And he's like, I'm not coming back, chief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just like, all right, go. go. All right, like, yeah. all right. <laughs> Later on, Scott, Peter like calls Mary Jane and the Green Goblin is there and, he, and the Green Goblin waits for... Peter to finish his whole message to Mary Jane before he's like, ha I've got her. Peter's like, I really miss you, Mary Jane. I'm right, 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 right. Like, he waits for the whole thing just to be like, ha I'm here the whole time. Yeah, but the meanwhile, it's Waiting. Like, if you'd like to continue this call, please yeah. add another clip. Ah, no, nah, fuck, hold well, on. Well, who, you know, All right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> damn it, I ruined the whole timing of my thing. You can just picture the Green Goblin, like the message like goes off and he's like, all right, Peter. I, you know, because I think get I, to it. I think no, Green uh, Goblin right. didn't, didn't want to come across as too desperate. Yeah, you know, he didn't want to pick up on he's, the first. He's like waiting. You know, I just got out of the shower. I was trying <laughs> my hair. And I couldn't hear he's the phone. Hi, this is Nikki. Leave a message. Uh, Nikki and Mike, it's uh, it's just, it just isn't working out. I I think you're great, but uh, I, maybe we should just some, take some time off from each other. It's not you. It's me. It's what it's what I'm going through. All right. Uh, it's it, it, it's only been six months. <laughs> wow. I, I guess you're home. Spider Man, come out to play. Did, did you just uh, walk in, or were you, were you listening all along? Uh, you got that Thanksgiving scene. Yeah. And, and like right at the beginning of the Thanksgiving scene, just a weird thing. He calls Aunt May, Aunt May Norman. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, hi, Aunt May." I'm like. She could just be May to you. Yeah, really. She's a person. Her name is not <laughs> Aunt May. Yeah, in this Thanksgiving scene, too, you know, like, he, whatever, he realizes that Spider-Man's Spider-Man, and he's like, I gotta fucking get out of here. Uh, and he's leaving, and we have this out of nowhere, like, 
horrid conversation where he just rips Mary Jane apart, where he's not met her more than 10 seconds. Yeah. 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 And he's like, what do you think she wants? She just wants your money. And like, you don't know her at all. <laughs> she was quiet as a fucking mouse the yeah, entire yeah. time you've been here, and you're just passing judgment on her. But he says the last line, like, I love the, the Sam Raimi tough guy language or yeah. the old 30s gangster terms that he uses like he's like ah you gotta do what you do do what you're gonna do with her and broom her fast you're like broomer well, what does that i'm mean? like i guess i get what it means without you know, with the broom. I've, never, I've never heard it but hit it with the broom the way i hit your mother with the broom what a maroon <laughs> what an ignoramus <laughs> okay so we're in the climax yes and there is a trend in superhero movies of public transportation being attacked. All the Spider-Man movies have. The yes. theme to the final battle between Spider-Man and, and the Green Goblin is, can I hit this brick wall? Yes, you can. There are brick <laughs> walls all around you. You will slam into one of them. Yeah. Uh, that's the whole thing. And then finally, it's like, oh, the people of New York save Mary Jane by throwing yeah. trash. Yeah. New York, the character, comes through in a big way for yeah. Spider-Man throughout all yeah. these movies. I think this is their first try at having the city of New York come come to Spider-Man's aid. They get it better in the next one. That whole scene, though, is just, just really, I don't know, it's a little wonky with who are you going to save, her or the people. Yeah. Oh, both of them. Like, and well, fuck off, obviously. It's, it's a little yeah. hackneyed because we have seen this before in... Batman yeah. Forever. Yes. They did the exact yeah. same. The You're right. Wonder or Exactly right. Fucking Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. We're talking about superhero trends which just keep popping up over yeah. and over again. And this, this is one that gets reused. Why can't you just die? The way Green Goblin is talking about it is like, don't worry, I'll take care of Mary Jane. And I was like, <laughs> are you going to bone her? Like, wait, like, don't do that. Like, leave her alone. And then he takes the mask off showing like, wait, PETA, it's me. And I was waiting for him to take the mask off and I'm like, oh, he's even more hideous than uh-huh. that mask. <laughs> It's Willem Dafoe's face. Holy Jesus. You know how much I sacrificed? I just want to say right at the end here, and I thought this is a little interesting thing. You notice they they kiss, right, after he's he's friend-zoned her. Yeah. And they're, they've kissed, they're walking away, and she has this moment where she kind of, and she kind of touches her lips and looks back at him again. Almost like she realizes he's Spider-Man. She, she could only identify it upside Spider-Man down. Spider-Man upside down, then kiss him right side up. So you could be like, all right, maybe. Oh, no, but later on. But she, she realized, mm, she, something in, seems familiar. In the second movie, she kisses the astronaut husband upside down yeah. to try and get a feel for it. Just to so prove to her it her, wasn't upside right. down kissing. Like yeah. she, that's her gimmick. <laughs> As if she's like, maybe my kink is kissing upside <laughs> yeah. down. I wrote that, Scott. In my notes, I wrote <laughs> kink colon upside down kissing. It's kind of weird that it becomes so famous, the upside down Spider-Man kiss. Yeah, yeah. Because presumably you don't know. You don't know, but I remember Sam Raimi giving me a book of kisses. It was a little, like, coffee table book you can buy. Like, a little cute book of movie kisses. He was like, let's try and make this one as epic as these kisses. All right, so we move on to Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. I like that cool opening credits recap they have where they do the artist's visualization of what happened in the first movie as a way of kind of bringing you up to date. Yeah. thought it looked cool. They continue that in the next movie as well. They do it in three and it's in that. It's not as good. It's not as good. If you remember, uh, this is another hallmark of Sam Raimi who recapped 
the first Evil Dead and the second Evil Dead, and then recapped both of them at the beginning wow. of Army of Darkness as yeah, well. Yeah, good point. I love that Peter Parker is immediately floundering as a shitty pizza delivery guy. Even his powers cannot make him Working for Asif Manvi. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Phil, those pizzas won't be in good condition. It's no. like eight pizzas. They're all no. crushed down. He's flying through the air. You have that one little cameo by Scott Spiegel, who was one of the screenwriters for the, uh, the Evil Dead. I think Evil Dead 2. And he's the one that is like, ooh, fucking pizza landed on my balcony. Yeah. And he, try, he takes one slice, and then Spider-Man Whips spiders away. it away. Yes, yeah, so that's a cool little... Yeah. Another cool little cameo for one of Raimi's pals that's worked with him on previous films. Whoa! He stole that guy's pizza! I like how Dylan Baker, who's also in this movie, okay, as a, as a scientist, he, he, he says to Peter Parker later on, he's like, well, planning's not a major. Yeah, it is. Urban planning. Yeah, it, it can it, be. There are many majors that have the word planning in them. Frankly, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. S- city Dylan planner? Baker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, maybe I could set my sights a little bit higher. Stephen, that thing is higher than architect. <laughs> I think I'd really like to be a city planner. Why limit myself to one building when I can design a whole city? Well, that's a good point. No, it's not. I just wrote, Franco, you twerp. Could it be the birthday party where Franco shows up and he's like, I'm your best friend. Mm. And then at the end of it, like Aunt May passes out on the kitchen table, like drunk or whatever. She she falls asleep on the kitchen table. No one's like, go to bed, Aunt May. Yeah. She's as- asleep. And then she wakes up and she goes, I-, I thought this was years ago with your Uncle Ben, where we get fucked up and pass out on the kitchen table. <laughs> Back in the day. Back in the day, we'd do fucking lines of coke and pass out on the kitchen table. You're not going to bed yet, honey. I just got my I second wind. Fucking A, Aunt May. What are what? you doing? It seems like partying back in the day seems more dangerous and also sad. Oh, by the way, the guy that plays Peter's uh, landlord. Mr. Dickovich. Yeah, Elia Baskin. He's a trilogy superstar. That's right. He was in um, Austin Powers as General Borshlovsky. That's right. And he was in Angels and Demons as Cardinal Petrov. So, mm. Is anyone as likable as Alfred Molina in this movie? <laughs> trilogy superstar Da Vinci Code, he played uh, Aringa Rosa. That scene with him where like Peter's meeting him yeah. and they were having... Rosie, I love this kid. He's delightful. He's wonderful. Yeah. And I'm like, I, this, it's a little bit cheesy, you know, but like all the, every one of these movies yeah. has these yeah. like saccharine sweet cheesy moments because it's just setting up when it's not going to be like that, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Um, I, I liked him in that scene because he seems like a down to earth, free thinking kind of individual where you don't find it weird that he would make um, extra arms. You know, somebody asked the smart question of like, well, if it's artificial intelligence on the arms, what's to prevent them? It's in your spine. Yeah. What's to prevent them from controlling you? You're like, ha ha, smart, smart question. Don't worry. It's this tiny, itsy bitsy <laughs> little easily breakable chip. That's what I'm saying. Like, if it breaks, I will become a raving lunatic. <laughs> they don't need AI. They have. Yeah. You're the AI. Has, you're has, just I. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that right, intelligence? That is affirmative. How fast has MJ risen in the last two years? She went from working as a waitress. Suddenly she's off Broadway. Do you want to be in a perfume mint? If it's like Johnny Depp and I'm burying my necklace in a in a in the desert, yeah, I want that perfume ad. I'll take it. My favorite Johnny Depp thing ever is the p- apology video he had to do when him and um, Amber Heard were in Australia and they I brought animals. That. He's just so like 
bloated and tired and <laughs> doing whatever accent he thinks he has now. And he's just like, you never want to fool around bringing um, animals into Australia. It's no good. It's bad. Australians are just as unique, both warm and direct. When you disrespect Australian law, they will tell you firmly. Declare everything when you enter Australia. And then you got Stan Lee. Stan Lee in the first two movies, his cameo is to just kind of like save people. They have the cute cameos in the Marvel movies, but in these early Spider-Mans, he's just kind of like... They hadn't, didn't really figure out what the cameos were supposed to be. Right. Yeah. You know? In the third movie, he's giving a whole speech about like... I guess people really can change the world. The wisdom of Stan Lee is limited. I hate to tell you, world. He only has a couple of messages to give. Excelsior. And then, of course, you got Bruce Campbell who pops up again. In this one, he's a rude usher. He defeats Spider-Man. Usher is his official (gasps) character name. I'm sorry, sir. No one will be seated after the doors are closed. It helps maintain the illusion. It must be annoying when you're Superman or Spider-Man where... In order to fight crime, you always have to change clothes. It's not easy to get out of a suit. If you have, if you ever worn anything underneath something else and then taking it off, it's gonna be you gotta like yeah, yeah you gotta move everything it. around, uh-huh. especially something tight like that. You probably have to pull right. it out of your ass and oh, get yeah. out of your crotch area and shit. Yeah, no, you're right. Or you leave it in there and take a picture of it. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. You have this bank robbery scene with Doc Ock stealing money yeah. so he can yeah. do, do his research. Aunt May, which is also like you're you're stealing money to buy things. For your evil plan, why don't you just steal the things for your evil <laughs> yeah. plan? Why are you buying? I said to myself, "Is like, is he now ordering this stuff off, off right. like Amazon? Like, how does he Evil. get this Dot stuff? Com? Like, where, <laughs> are you, where are you getting this from?" Doctor Octopus is not a criminal or an experienced one. He just needs to finish the job. And see, though, he's throwing these bags of coins. No, oh, yeah, they're bags of golden coins <laughs> yeah. that he's throwing yeah. that are ripping, falling over, like. Banks don't have gold coins, right? <laughs> oh, this is the bank that only has doubloons. We talked about the raindrops keep falling on my head yeah. little yes. thing. I really, really like that part. That, like, that's where like third movie tries to do things like that. It doesn't work at Fails all. Fails completely because it's, like, it's not in the mood or the tone or the groove of it. He's like decided, like, I'm not going to worry about Spider-Man anymore. I'm just going to have a great life. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? If you see some guy getting mugged in an alley, you can still like help him. It's not like you have to get into the whole costume and be Spider-Man. Right. You, you don't have to turn your back I, on that guy. You can still help him. the same thing. I'm like, well, you don't have to stand there and watch it happen. <laughs> yeah, like, like, either keep fucking walking or just be like, hey, hey, I see you. Stop yeah, doing that. Yeah. You can help someone in the in the alley of, yeah. of this New York that doesn't really exist where there's right. crime in every alley. Yeah. Like in the middle yeah. of like, right. downtown where people are. <laughs> yeah. Come That's on. That's not where these crimes happen. If you see something... Say something. And that's what takes us, I think, to the big um, fight on the subway. Okay, first of all, I'd like to know where the elevated subway in Manhattan is. Maybe in 1925 they had that. They shot in Chicago too, right? Yeah. Because that's got to be the L train But I mean, it's it's, it's an L train, and, and what's funny is at the last stop, it just terminates. There's no way of getting off there. So why is anyone on the train then? Why wouldn't everyone just get off at the at the last stop? It's- like, why isn't there a station there? Also, uh, the weird forced close-up of Tobey Maguire struggling. Oh, well, his face his face may be the biggest villain in all of these movies. Yeah. Because his face is, his, is repugnant. His goony fucking crying face. Ugh. Even in the first one with, again, I, I think Cliff Robertson's doing a great job uh, playing that scene. Like, hurt her, hurt her, like yeah. slipping away. It's, it's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Watch. And then you got to cut to his goony crying yeah. face. Like, yeah. Like, I, it's awful to look at. And so he, he holds the subway back, right? 
and like the people of New York help him again. And there's that strange scene where they're like carrying his body like up like in the he's air. Jesus. Like yeah. he like Scott, exactly. Like he's Jesus. I almost felt like I heard like the Jesus Christ superstar soundtrack behind him. Them carrying him overhead on the subway. It was less sense it was crazy. than Crocodile Dundee walking on people. <laughs> In yeah. the subway station. <laughs> Moral of the story, people in New York don't give a shit. Yeah. The reality <laughs> is that's a great action scene. I mean, as much as we make fun of it, the, like him holding the subway yeah, yeah. back and him like saving the people by throwing them in webs is, is yeah. pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a cool action scene. Yeah, and but we see this a lot. Like it gets done again and again of Spider-Man being pulled from two different places and yeah. having to like pull like it happens a lot and You're it's, right. it's continued in uh homecoming they yeah. do it they do a whole thing where like a ferry ship gets cut in half and he's got to hold the ship together and i'm like yeah i guess because he's because he's got webs right like i mean it's, i guess it's an so, iconic like, image yeah, I guess, like, like he's strong but how strong are these webs Right. Well, you even know. in the subway seat, and they start to rip, and he's yeah. like, "All right, I got to do like a hundred of them." A hundred webs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I need more web. More <laughs> I need web. More like, web. Yeah. A twisted web, and we are not finished untangling it. Not yet. The Green Goblin story is still nightmarishly going on, and even Spider-Man says, "A guy's making the sun on the water. Yeah. You need to just Grow take the fuck it. Up. Wait till the third movie." Before yeah. you come at me with this. And what like what a big man he is, huh? He has someone else catch him, and then he takes out his cute little decorative knife, and he's going to stab <laughs> him with it, and preambles with all this sinister shit of, you killed my father, here comes my revenge, and then he totally fucking pusses out. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That's, all, that's him in a yeah. nutshell. He's got a cool inner liner of his suit. When he's upside down, like that orange liner in the suit, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Aside from that, the clothes don't make the man, because he's not a man. He's a little <laughs> bitch baby boy. What a fucking bitch, am I right? <laughs> when you watch that final scene on the water, there's a kind of redemption. Sam Raimi takes liberties with the characters to make them sim more similar to Peter. Right. So that you could tell that sort of story. And that's what that's what this movie does for comic book movies in general, is create the possibility of more nuanced stories about relating to the villain. And that takes us to Spider-Man 3, gentlemen. I wish it didn't take us to Spider-Man 3, but here we are. Here we are. In the span of two years, Kristen Dunst has gone from working in a shitty fucking restaurant to being on Broadway as yeah. the lead actress. You well, never, not for you long. I mean, yeah, not for long, yeah. but still, I, it seems a little. She got her. She got a break in a musical review. I, I yeah. don't know what that is. She's walking down steps and singing a song. That song yeah. is from Annie Get Your Gun. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Yes. Harry's watching her with binoculars, and he's clearly the front row of the balcony. You're right on top of her. All I could think the entire time was like, he was going to, because he looks at his binoculars, and then he looks over at Peter. I wanted it to cut to Connie in Godfather 3. Her little glasses. <laughs> Suddenly it's a cannoli. Yeah, watching Eli Wallach <laughs> eat a fucking cannoli. <laughs> Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. They're laying in, in him one of his webs and watching the stars. And at the end, I'm thinking to myself, like, that's your that's your, your mucus web. Like, that came out of your body. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's... That's why it shouldn't come out of his body. It's weird. <laughs> it's kind of weird that it's he's been weird. spraying the city with it for years at this point. <laughs> yeah, no one, it's just, it's everywhere. It has to be everywhere. Yeah. His webs are gigantic. 
He's flying. He has thick ropes. He's covering yeah. like yeah, <laughs> thick ropes of web. Yeah, he's like, what's like, the? Who's that porn star? <laughs> oh, Pe- Peter North. He's or? like Peter North. He shoots ropes. <laughs> They're hitting the See, city. You would think that would have been like a headline <laughs> of like the Daily Bugle at one point, just like Spider Man's web. What the fuck is this? Shit? <laughs> yeah, like, Spider Man really? making a mess of the city. I don't know if it's very erotic. And I'm up here in the chapter four, and we're like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, they're, like, laying in his web together, and it just grosses me out. I mean, it's like you're fucking a dog. (laughs) It's like you're with an animal. (laughs) Humans don't shoot webs. It's like, uh, I don't know. Neither do dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, it's so animalistic to me. I don't know. That's how I feel. This is somehow some form of bestiality to you. I mean, I might love like a half dog, half girl, but I don't know if I'm. Wait, why are we (laughs) at this point? I'm just saying. Wow. I'm just saying what Spider-Man really (laughs) is. But if this was Cockroach Boy, she's not laying in a cockroach nest looking at the stars to them. It's a cockroach. No, because there's other cockroaches watching. Spiders are kind of like cool. You know, it's got to be like a cool. cool bug. Yeah. This is more closer to like after sex before you both get up to wipe it all off. Like that's. <laughs> oh, Phil. You know, like. It, yeah. We just, you just, you know, basking in the afterglow, if you will. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not laying in it. I'm, it's not holding me up. It's not the, I'm not, it's not that what the house is made of. <laughs> I'm not laying in it, which is the logical transition to be mentioning James Cromwell. What a waste. And as we know, he's a trilogy superstar from the Oh God trilogy. That's right. So. Oh, God. He's and, and you know many who, movies. You know who played Captain Stacy in the Andrew Garfield version? Who? Dennis Leary. Get out of here. Yeah. He's actually very good. And this you got Bryce Dallas Howard. This was a big complaint at the time because they cast Kirsten Dunst, a natural blonde, as a redheaded character. Right. And then they cast Bryce Dallas Howard. A natural redhead as a blonde. I think we definitely criticized her when we talked about the Unbreakable trilogy because of her part in The Village where she's just horrible. Yeah. But I mean, she's a trilogy superstar. She's a big part of the Jurassic World trilogy. Hi, my name is Bryce Dallas Howard. This is what happens when you get a good dick. As we've talked about, it, like I say, like the scientist characters are always the more interesting characters. Yeah, the, they're more the bigger complex. villains, the more complex characters. And you're trying to do the same thing you just did with two giant characters in Spider-Man's history. You did it with Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus. You made us feel for them. They had a redemption at the end. And yeah. they ended up not being so bad after all. Right. Except that he's Sandman. And he has no... So we have to have this ridiculous scene of him falling into science. There were some characters that, you know, Spider-Man had to just beat the shit out of. Just basic. Yeah. 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 That's why they ganged up in six of them. Because most of their powers <laughs> are dumb. That long scene of him rising from the sand. <laughs> like he's rising from the sand. Like the sad... Like haunting yeah. tune, and like, and we're watching Sandman. He looks like Imhotep from The Mummy, like, exactly like this, that. Yeah, Thomas Hayden Church, as we all know, um, from Wings, but he was coming off his just praised appearance in Sideways, and that's what got him this part. Where do all these guys come from? It's unclear, but the entire reason for that scene happening where they get the key to the city is because he yeah. saved the, the police captain's daughter's life. But and apparently the police captain didn't notice that her fiance, Topher Grace, didn't care at all about her life. He's like, oh, I just got to get a good picture. I don't give a real, yeah. I don't really give a shit what happens to her. Uh, I'm Eddie Brock. I, uh, I work at the Daily Bugle and also <laughs> I fucked your daughter last night. <laughs> like, Topher okay. Grace, by the way, trilogy superstar, as we know, we saw him in like two of the Oceans movies. While we're on the topic of Topher Grace, I think it's a good time to talk a little bit about Venom. 
Do we have um, to? So Venom's introduction in this is, uh, again, happenstance. Uh, <laughs> rock falls out of the sky with goo on it, and it just attaches to Peter's bike for seemingly no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Because this is an important storyline in the Spider-Man series. In the original comics, he went up, and I believe he fought in the- uh, Secret War. The Secret Wars. That was it. And at the end, to reward him for helping in the Secret Wars, they gave him a new suit. Yeah, his well, his suit was destroyed. His suit was in that's battle, right. so they gave him a symbiote that was like it grafted itself to him and gave him this new black suit that is not. I hate the way they make I, the black suit disgusting. look in this movie. The symbiote lives inside of you. Yeah. So the symbiote just comes out and covers you, and then like it's 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 a symbiote. So when he removes the suit and puts it in the trunk. No, 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 no. That's all fucking wrong. Yeah. Because he doesn't, there are not two suits. That's totally against the point. Yeah, Spider-Man didn't have a choice. Right. It was taking him over, and then he realized, fuck, this is taking me over. I have to get rid of it. Uh. Not, I'm an angry little bitch, so I'm going to put my nasty suit on. They literally are keeping his shirt open so you can see he's yeah. wearing it. Yeah. Talking to people as Peter Parker. So Bruce Campbell's third cameo winds up being this French uh, like maitre d or host yeah. where uh, Peter's going to propose and he's just his French accent is terrible it's just, yeah. it's just awful. I was waiting for like it's at a the long end of it scene. for him to like not have a French accent yeah. and be like he was just putting it on cuz he worked at the French restaurant. This movie sucks. Peter Parker just becomes like emo Spider-Man and you're like, what is... He, he looks in the mirror and flops his hair. Flops his hair. He has eyeliner on. And when he starts walking down the street to that music, you're like, what in the hell is this movie become? It cuts to the very next scene with Betty Brant where they're like face to face like yeah. this was like I'd love to shoot you sometime and she's like oh I'm gonna fucking come like just talking to him <laughs> yeah. like, like, when he so. gets to that restaurant scene and does that piano solo into that whole dance thing I, I, I can't remember the last time I saw such how a how does he know about piano I can't can I play the piano anymore Venom of course you could well I couldn't before well, look, Venom is known <laughs> for being a great piano player yeah I can't believe what I'm looking at in this scene yeah this dance scene this is for you. Double time. Suddenly we get to the end of the movie, the big fight. But it's not sudden, because oh, we yeah. know this is going to happen for the entire fucking movie. The thing is, we don't know that Venom is going to be the bad guy of it until like two seconds before this. True. <laughs> you know who really you know? knows? Well, who really knows is the news team who gives us an entire synopsis of the movie right before this big yeah. fight. It's very out of place. Yeah, it's, too, a sudden, right? it's a complete, sudden, unearned Greek chorus. We don't yeah. hate it. We didn't ask for it. Why do you know their names? Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, they're, fi they're fictional names. They know things they shouldn't really they know. know. They know names the audience knows, yeah. but not the people in the world <laughs> right. in the movie know. Right. Yeah. Everything about this sucks. I mean, the other who are the other bad guys? You have to bring in Venom to be the actual the bad guy because you have Sandman again who is weak. I remember watching this movie uh, both times I watched it, I was like really kind of depressed during the action scene because I just didn't care about it. And then every once in a while, I was gifted with J.K. Simmons arguing with a little girl over a camera. And yeah. I thought that should have just been the movie. And that's the best part of this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, kid, you want a job? Why would I want a job? I'm just a kid. All right. How much for the camera? 100 bucks. 100 bucks? Oh! All right, still. Look. 
They yeah. added the Sandman to water. They made him into glass. None of that works. But when you shoot him with a missile, somehow that's the thing that brings down the Sandman? Yeah. What? But he's still reconstituted, so you never re- they never really beat him. I mean, I don't know how movie. you do any real damage to this. Because he still man. had the moment of like, I'm running, I don't care if you chase me. I'm going to see my little girl. I'm blowing right, in right. the wind. I wrote down in my notes, and just like that, the Sandman blew away. We'll miss you, Sandman. <laughs> like it, it's meaningless. <laughs> Said no one. He just, yeah, he <laughs> like, just go. He leaves, and everyone's like, "Oh, that was the Sandman." There's a cut scene in the movie uh, with his daughter. She's worried that she'll never see him again, and then the camera turns to reveal that there is a sandcastle that constituted behind her. Oh, I like that. This beautiful sandcastle, and she looks at it, and like. Then, you know, she turns around and turns back and it's gone. Uh, Buy her a loaf of bread, Sandman. Yeah, seriously. What are you doing? (laughs) Morph into some fucking money. So he can only visit her at the beach now. At beaches, everything's included for everyone. I'm just here to see my daughter. Harry gets his total redemption that we've expected Uh, the entire time. Fucking brain-damaged Harry comes in. Uh, I'm here to save the day! (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I got flying roller coaster on my feet. Here I go. It's like a snowboard, but it's in the sky. Yeah, and then we finally get like the denouement, the jazz club again. More like a denouement. Blah. MJ doing her back-to-her-jazz singing. Yeah, and she'll never get the big gig because she can't concentrate enough to finish the fucking song. Yeah, you know, why is she such a bad performer? Yeah. Any distraction, anything that happens, it doesn't make her screw up. She stops in the middle of the performance. You know what? Yeah. And is... yet she's made it to Broadway. You know yeah. what? It's like, but... it's New York. It's the mid-aughts. Take a fucking improv class before it's cool. Yeah. It's I never mean... been cool. Funny story. The way I got into improv was, I got into improv. The story about me getting the improv was that I was walking down the street and a race car pulls up and the guy says, hey, you're funny. You're the funniest guy I've ever seen. Or my name is not Dale Earnhardt. (laughs) And that was an improv. Um, The real way was that I found a flyer. I think that's a logical place to bring us to to the end of this podcast. It's Thanks. time to rank these bad boys and move forward. Uh, I think we can all agree on the order here. I think this is one of the uh, trilogies we can all agree on the order, right? You could say it with me now. Are you ready? Sure. I think so. Two, Two one, one, three, three. four. What? <laughs> Scott. God, I'm joking. Two, one, three. I yeah. know what you mean. So... I think it's going to be a two one three from everyone. Just from my perspective, yeah. all right. We can go around a little bit. I just felt like two is obviously the superior movie with the best villain. One has flaws, you know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah. I'm not crazy about Mary Jane relationship and conflicts, and I don't necessarily love um, Green Goblin. Yeah. Okay, but it's interesting enough. So I'm going two one three because we all know the three was a hunk of shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Scott, you want to? Uh, yeah. Uh, so obviously, two, one, three. Um, the second movie is the strongest, I think, because I think in a weird way, like the first movie, Sam Raimi's vision, it, it got sort of, it did sort of get diluted by the studio a little bit, yeah. and I feel like the second movie they kind of let him do what he wanted, right? Right. But then when you know when the third movie came out, they of course famously forced him to do Venom and right. forced a lot of shit, and it kind of destroyed the entire movie. Yeah. Which honestly, if you take Venom out of that movie, that movie probably would have been a piece of shit anyway. Yeah, you but know I, mean, I mean, we talked about it before. It suffers from too many characters, too many things in one right. movie, and they don't and, match and they up. don't they just don't flow they go together naturally yeah, together. Right. Yeah, Phil, um, um, I I think that. Uh, yeah, two, one, three. All superhero movies, Spider-Man totally included. They always flourish and thrive and just do well when they're not beholden to the mythology being regurgitated over and over, which is why we all love the second movie. And I think that's why when we 
visit the MCU movies down the line in the future, we will probably have a different opinion of that kind of Peter Parker. And like the first one gets bogged down, it becomes two movies in one because the first, I mean, we, I love the first half. The second half just kind of like, all right, we're going to put this here, put that there. Here's the Green Goblin. Okay, they fight. Mary Jane swinging around the end. And then like the third one, it just seems like they didn't have the instructions to build a massive playset that they had. I mean, that, how yeah. much that movie cost? Like f- $200 million? Yeah. yeah. And they couldn't make a decent movie. They couldn't find a movie in all of that. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the first full episode of our Spider-Man block. Okay, We did the Spider-Man trill bit to introduce everyone to the universe. We've got the Raimi Spider-Man here. And then this new MCU third movie has locked us into place. We've got two trilogies surrounding Spider-Man. Well, you know, there was a lot of homework to be done. We're trilogy experts. You know what I mean? And, you know, maybe in the future, uh, depending, we may even talk about another Spider-Man trilogy. But we'll talk about that another day. All right. My name is Vin. I'm Scott. And joining us is... I'm Phil. All right. And we are the Trilogy Podcast, bringing you every trilogy all the time, every time. This is what we do. Check us out on Instagram. As always, I'd really try and match up what I do on Instagram to the things we talk about in these episodes. So check out our Instagram account. It's really very, very good. Yes. And that is at Trilogy Podcast, correct? Indeed. Uh, yes, I also run the uh, Twitter. Follow us there. We do some fun polls about our current episodes. Get your opinion in there. That is, of course, also at Trilogy Podcast. All right, listen up. We've got the other Spider-Man trilogy coming up soon. We'll see you then. I feel like Phil webbed in his bed last night. That's, that's only because you're first... perched out his window watching yeah, through the window. Yeah, that's weird. What I do in my watching bed is my web business. Off. <laughs> I'm <know>? a Spider-Man. <laughs> Kids at home, if you're bitten by a spider, you got to tell somebody. <laughs> yeah. Tell someone. You're probably going to die. Tell someone. This is a message from the Trilogy Podcast. Certain now that I am vindicated, I am selfish, I am wrong.